Uh, good morning. Um, thank you all for being here. Uh, I'd like to start off like we have been, like Rev has been walking us through Psalm 119 as we go through the Ten Commandments. Today we're in uh, verses 65 to 72. Um, the subsection is titled uh, Tet. <clears throat> you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Father, we thank you um, for this word, for your word to us. And we thank you for this opportunity and privilege that we have to read it, to study, to meditate upon it. And we just pray that you would drive it down deep into our hearts. Um, help us to understand the truth about who you are and who we are called to be. Most of all, we thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm recording. Uh, as um, if we kind of look back quickly at the last few weeks, we have been trying to work through the first uh, half. Let's say half. We would say the first. We say four plus six. The way that we typically divide the Ten Commandments up. The first four primarily directed vertically towards God, and the final six more horizontally um, toward man. The first four are typically longer. The last six are typically shorter. Um, the first four are more unique in terms of what you would have seen as um, more general rules or laws in other ancient Near Eastern cultures of the time. Um, but as we've seen, <clears throat> these, uh, the first three commandments, and we're going to see today, they're almost like um, zip files. You click on it, it's one, it may be one commandment, but when you open it up, it, it just explodes with meaning. There's multiple streams of thought, multiple concepts, multiple threads of concepts that, you know, they traject through the scriptures. They're opened up in seed form early on in the text. And as you work through the Old Testament, they grow in significance and meaning, and they take on in, uh, additional meaning uh, and become more uh, consequential and more weighty the further you go into the biblical text. And so what we're seeing here in these first four are, is we're seeing, uh, we're, opening up, we're opening them up. It's like, uh, I'm going to show my age here, but does anyone remember Paul Harvey? I used to listen to Paul Harvey, you know, and he would say, and now you know the rest of the story. Well, each one of these is similar to that. Each one of these, there's so much more beyond just the... the uh, succinct command. There's a whole stream of thought and issues and history and concepts there. And that's what we're trying to do 
is to uncover that <clears throat> their contextual meaning, both behind them and ahead of them, what they're projecting forward. And um, these uh, today is a huge one. Uh, in fact, it's the largest of the ten, uh, the longest of the ten commandments, uh, <clears throat> and um, it's very significant. It's a transition point to the back half, the, six, the, the four plus six side. Um, and so we're going to have to slow down. It's going to take us two, could take three weeks. I don't know, just to get through all the material, but it's so consequential. There's so much going on here. I think it's important that we take the time to try to address it a little bit more thoroughly. So um, the first part of this today, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to work through the text quickly. And then I'm just going to kind of onboard a few basic observations. I really want to try to get to the meat of what I think this lesson the next two or three weeks is going to be, which is going to be a walk through the scriptures of the Old Testament to see how these, the principle of the Sabbath was developed and how it changes over time and how, how it, it was developed in its origin and how it continues to develop throughout the biblical text and even on to today. So um, to start off with the text here on page two, you're going to see um, I've listed both of the um, canonical accounts, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, of, the, of, the, um, of this command, uh, verses 8 through 11 there in Exodus 20. Um, and if you move over to the very next page, which is not numbered, however, um, it says text comparison at the top. And what I tried to do was try to show you... Um, a side-by-side comparison. This is based off the ESV translation, but just a comparison of how the two accounts differ. You're going to see some small differences. The very first word, remember, versus observe. Those are largely translation issues. I think one thing you're going to notice throughout uh, in the Exodus account is the the way that um, the divine name is presented there as simply the Lord or the Lord your God. The Lord your God occurs once in in an Exodus account. It occurs every single time that it occurs in the Deuteronomy account. It's the full, the Lord your God. That's one uh, just quick observation. You can see there I tried to underline that for you. The other things you're going to see, the additional line there in verse 12, as the Lord your God commanded you. You're going to see some small changes uh, where they've made an an addition. or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock. You're going to see uh, an additional qualification about the male and female servant, as well as rest for you. <clears throat> and then you're going to see a large difference there at the end, where the uh, purpose of the commandment, let's say if we're, honor- if we're respecting the commandment, is different. In Exodus, we're going to see that it was referring back to creation, and in Deuteronomy, you're going to see that the, that the four, the, they call it a, a purpose clause here, but the, the four is that you shall remember um, their slavery in Egypt. Um, and <clears throat> we're going to address some of those differences um, here in the text. You'll also notice there is almost, uh, some, some commentaries have noticed that there's a three-part division to this, where in verse 8 you see the what, what we're supposed to do, in verses 9 and 10 in Exodus 11, 13, 14 in Deuteronomy, the how we're supposed to do it, and then the remainder of each of the commandments, why we're supposed to do it. That's another way some people have, have kind of looked at this text. Um, 
Moving on to page three. Um, just a few things um, I want to point out real quick. The theme linking the two versions to creation. That's kind of the, uh, the concept of creation is a unifying theme between both of these accounts. Um, so God not only created the world, uh, when we refer back to the Exodus version of this commandment, but God created the people, Israel, um, out of, by taking them out of Egyptian slavery. So reflecting on the concept here is a unifying theme of creation. Um, and once again, we see those, that twofold concept that you see all throughout the Old Testament, God as both creator and redeemer. Right? We see it even right here. Uh, like I said, there are some uh, slight differences in the focus between these two uh, versions of the commandment. Um, you know, the, uh, you'll see in the introduction there, as I pointed out, where the Deuteronomy, the Deuteronomic account adds, as the Lord your God commanded you. And in the, conclu- in the conclusion, the same thing. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, an, there's an attempt in the Deuteronomic I'll say Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, one of the things that the, the writer is, uh, I'll argue Moses, is trying to get across is that there are other themes. We've got to think about the, kind of the timeline of when the first commandment was issued in Exodus, when it was first issued in Exodus versus when it was issued in Deuteronomy. We've had the golden calf incident. We've had the new giving of the commandments. There's a lot that's happened. And um, there's a kind of a reflective component. So there, the reasons for, most commentators argue that the reasons for some of these differences are contextual. They're re- giving the law, but they're giving it in a context that has slightly changed. Um, so you see more of a humanitarian, uh, you would think on the surface this is a, more of a humanitarian emphasis, but it's really theological um, the writer there is really concerned that all of Israel uh, observe the Sabbath. Uh, so, like I said before, this is the longest of the ten. Um, it has both the primary and a secondary uh, command and an elaboration. We've talked about that before early on, um, where you have the primary command, then you have a supporting or clarifying command, and then you have um, an elaboration. And it kind of lines up with what we mentioned as a the what the uh, how and the why. Um, right, one of the things that is obviously important as you read through the scriptures, you'll see that there's an emphasis uh, on uh, the, the, the concept of keeping it holy. Now, I mentioned before, there's a difference between clean and unclean, right? You're called to be, to be not to be unclean, but to be clean. But there's a subcategory underneath clean that is even more specific, and that is common or holy. So we are called to be clean, and once clean, we are called to be increasingly more and more, as the confessions would say it, more and more holy, more and more devoted to God, more and more converted into his ways, more and more converted into the image of his son. So it's not just to be Clean is to be clean and to become increasingly holy. And that is, in, in part, a big uh, underlying premise of this entire commandment about the Sabbath we're going to see. So here, keep it holy. Keep the Sabbath holy. Uh, 
One of, the, one of the things that stood out right away to me as I was reading through the material was that the Sabbath was a delight to the original Israelites, for the faithful Israelite. It was a delight. Look at Isaiah 58, uh, verses 13 to 14. Um, if you turn your back, uh, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Um, right away, these two concepts of remember and to keep it holy. I want you to just quickly see how the, some of the common English translations deal with it. They're all the same until you get to the NRSV and the NIV. And then instead of uh, to keep it holy, the NRSV says, and keep it holy. So it's not remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, but to remember the Sabbath and keep, and keep it holy. And then look at the NIV. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Those are obviously tra- choices the translators made, and they have a different emphasis uh, but I think that sometimes it can be helpful when you compare translations and look at why they chose to, you know, and try to discover why did they choose to, to phrase it that way. Uh, it's, it's looking at the scriptures from the version, from translations and looking by exception at where some issues may lie. And I think that was, that, that was one that kind of stood out. As we move on through the text, six days thou shalt labor. So the six days of labor are what entitled the person to rest on the seventh. Uh, thou shalt not do any work. This command is both negative, um, it's explicitly negative, um, but um, it's also positive. Um, you're going to see there's several things here. I want you to notice how this verse in particular, well, how Amos 5 is an example of this, but how it contrasts with what we're so to speak called to see the hope the, the Sabbath as like we saw in Isaiah 58. Listen to this in Amos 8, 5. To the ungodly, however, it was weariness and a waste of time, speaking of the Sabbath, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with false balances. So these merchants... It's like they can't wait for the Sabbath to be over so they can make money. And obviously they've missed the point. But in short, I think what you'll find is that a desecration of the Lord's day of the Sabbath paves the way to breaking every one of the other Ten Commandments. And uh, conversely, by keeping it, it's one of the best ways to promote holy living. Uh, As we move through the text, we say the issue about the stranger. Again, I think there's an emphasis here um, on... Um, the stranger in the Deuteronomy as a whole, um, but it's more than just a humanitarian concern. We are strangers, and we are sojourners in this life, in this world, right? And I think as we're going to see later on, as we look forward to our future eschatological Sabbath, the end time Sabbath, the ultimate Sabbath, where we will be in God's eternal rest, that we are sojourners here in this world, uh, looking forward to that. So Sabbath, briefly combined, uh, defined, um, rest. That's the easiest way I can explain it. 
the concept is a concept of rest. Um, what you're going to find, and, and, and this lines up with the, the way that we see the development of the Sabbath concept in the scriptures, is that the first time we see it, if you were going to do a word study and look for Sabbath in the scriptures and you looked it up uh, in terms of the noun that we see, um, the noun rest, uh, Shabbat, if you look that up in a concordance, you're not going to see anything prior to this. But if you look up the verb form of it, to rest, you're going to see it show up in Genesis 2. And that's what's, what's kind of odd is that you're going to see that the, the, the concept uh, of rest is driven by this verb, to rest, that we see early in Genesis. And they're going to see how these, why these things are connected. Um, I'm not going to work on some of these summaries here. I think... Um, that stuff's pretty self-explanatory. I think if you just read the material, you're going to see what some of these basic summary meanings and purposes are, uh, what the commandment forbids and, uh, and encourages. Um, I just wanted to kind of quick, briefly set the table. Those things are not as interesting. We're talking about this from the outside in. I want to get in here like, say, Paul Harvey would do and go from the inside out. I want to talk about how this commandment, where it comes from, how we got here, and where it goes from there. Um, so we're going to talk about the Sabbath in early or redemptive history, um, how it's different from the ancient Near Eastern cultures around them, uh, where it was established prior to, the, to its issuance in the Ten Commandments. Um, we're going to go back to the creation account itself, and we're going to look at it in terms of the Mosaic Sabbath. Uh, we'll look at a briefly a little excursus. We'll talk about the concepts of rest and worship. And then we're going to look at Sabbath in the later part of the Old Testament redemptive history. I'm talking about uh, Sabbath in the, t- the context of, the, of Israel being in the promised land, uh, and then Israel in both exile and restoration. Uh, and then, <clears throat> obviously, next week uh, and maybe the week beyond, uh, we'll work into the Sabbath in the New Testament era in light of Christ. And then for us uh, today, how it applies. So there's a lot there. I want to try to trace this through. I think in the end you're going to get you're going to gain more from going through the development of the doctrine and stuff over time through the scriptures than you will me just reading off a list of what it means. So with no, with no further ado, we're going to start right off here on page six with Sabbath in early Old Testament redemptive history, tracing the origins of the Sabbath commandment. So the Sabbath was unique. It was different than anything else that was being observed in the other ancient Near Eastern cultures of the day. Um, and it was, um, there was nothing parallel or analogous to it, really. Um, it was completely dissociated from the thought of what the other cultures organized some of their worship concepts and principles around, which were um, you know, largely around celestial bodies, um, you know, you think of the Sabbath, uh, we think of major units of time like months and seasons and years. These things were based on the moon and the lunar cycle, and that's kind of what drove some of the thinking of the ancient Near Eastern cultures of the day. But the Sabbath is just completely dissociated away from that. Uh, for example, have you ever thought about where the week comes from? I mean, um, days come from the Earth's rotation around the axis. Uh, months um, are more or less uh, gauged to the lunar cycle. And the years are a result of the evolution of the earth around the sun. Uh, but why weeks? Um, a seven-day week seems kind of arbitrary um, relative to the natural rhythms of the solar system. So why is it God made it that way? He made it that way. He accomplished his work in six days and he rested on the seventh. 
And from that point forward, the week was, uh, it was built in to the fabric of the mindset of the culture of Israel. Uh, it's, we see it established early on. So Sabbath prior to the Ten Commandments, um, the Sabbath observance does not owe its origin. I'll put it this way. The Sabbath is not, is not established in the Ten Commandments. Okay? In Exodus 16, we see it established in the text. The concept we're going to find out goes way back to Genesis. But in Exodus 16, we actually see this before. Um, uh, and I want to point this out real quick. As you're reading through commentaries, as you read through other sources, you've got to be careful sometimes about this, um, some of the biases that you're going to come across. And here's one of them. I included this one just so you would kind of see it. I'm going to read this by the Anchor Yale Bible Commentary, AYBC. The Sabbath observance does not owe its origins to the fourth commandment, since the practice is apparently very ancient, having existed in Mosaic times. The fourth commandment merely recalled and reinforced the traditional observance. Now, wait a minute. There's not a big difference between Exodus 16 and Exodus 20, is there? But he, the, the, the writer here is making it seem like there is. He's exposing his bias. doesn't think the Ten Commandments were created at that point in time. He thinks they were redacted and edited and planted later, right back into the text. So you've got to be careful sometimes when you read these things. I wanted to point that one out so you would see it, but I put it there just so you would. Um, <clears throat> in a more traditional track here, the Sabbath or the seventh day is a day of rest and a test for Israel's commitment to keep the way of Yahweh. It had already been established in Exodus 16. So now what was established in the text in Exodus 16 is actually being formally introduced into the Ten Commandments. Why? Because they want to codify it to be written in stone. Okay? This concept is so big, they want to codify it, have it written in stone, so it's put into the Ten Commandments. Although, unlike the other Ten Commandments, it's the only one that's explicitly explicitly introduced prior to the giving of the Ten Commandments. Um, so let's read some of Exodus 16. Um, the subtitle there in the ESV says, Bread from Heaven. They, the Israelites, set out from Elim, and the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you would grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. That's the first time that this commandment is 
is put into play in the text. It is codified in the Ten Commandments. Now, I'm going to give you just a little foretaste of where we're going to go from here. Can I have my Bible? If you have your Bibles, you might open it up to Luke chapter 4. It's going to be an example of what I mean by where these threads that are developed in the Old Testament develop and find their way into the new. Before I do, I want to finish up quickly here on Exodus 16 on the next page, on page 7. Exodus 16 continues. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside and keep to be kept until the morning. So they, so they laid it aside until morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. <clears throat> and the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in this place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So as we saw, the Sabbath is not a new commandment uh, in the Ten Commandments. It's not a new concept. It was modified over time. It uh, was already in effect in Exodus 16, as we're going to see in Genesis 2, uh, where it's, in fact, a creation ordinance. And um, I want to show you in Luke 4, one of the ways we see this concept continued on. In Luke 4, we're talking about the temptation of Jesus. And what to note about here is that Luke has been very purposeful in establishing the identity of Jesus as both the Son of Man, the divine Son of Man, as the Son of God, as um, the Messiah, the Davidic Son of David, He's created this picture, and, and we've been through the baptism, the genealogy. We get to the temptation, and immediately after the temptation, we get to the beginning of his ministry. His public ministry begins here in chapter 4, right after this event in the temptation. So I'm going to start here in, in the beginning of chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, ding, 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 in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So what we see here is Jesus... Okay, it's a recapitulation. It's a, almost a reenactment, a reliving of um, Jesus as the new Israel, as the new son of God, right? Israel, the son of God, Israel failed 
They failed uh, in their temptation in the wilderness. They complained, they mumbled, they grumbled. And it's interesting here that the very first thing we see, the Spirit drives, the Spirit drives Jesus into the desert. And it says in, in, this, in this, uh, this, this account happens in three of the four Gospels, um, in the synoptics, but here it's to be tempted by the devil. And we'll see in the text we were looking at in, in Exodus 16, it was to be t- tested. The people were to be tested by God. And there's a difference. Okay, the, t- the people were tested by God. Okay, and they were also tempted by the devil. There's a difference, however, between the two. And here again, we see Jesus was driven into, as the new Son of God was driven into the desert, in anticipation of what? The beginning of his public ministry. What was Israel doing? They were getting ready to go into what? The sanctuary of the land. And they were getting ready to what? Become, the, become what they were designed to be, a holy people, right? A light to the nations. In effect, beginning their corporate public ministry to the world. And here, <clears throat> they're in the desert and they fail the test. What was the test that Adam failed? As the son of God. Interesting enough, it was, it was designed around food too, right? So <clears throat> I just want to point that out. <clears throat> this is, this is, there are bigger concepts. These concepts are established in Genesis. They develop <clears throat> and they grow and they take on uh, more and more weight, weightiness as the, as the scriptures progress. And when you see these things, a little thing like this in the New Testament, um, <clears throat> which is only the first of the three temptations, <clears throat> if you look backwards, it has a huge message to say. There's way more going on here than just this narrow depiction. It's just like the commandments themselves. <clears throat> it's that zip file. The commandment says this, a very narrow statement, but it means and it alludes to all of this history, both behind and trajectory forward. And so what Jesus, this one little commandment, it's linking you to these huge concepts that have already been developed. And the more and more you understand the, the whole narrative arc of the Old Testament and how these threads fit and, and, and work together, the, the richer your reading and understanding of what's going on in the New Testament will be. And that's what I'm hoping that you guys will start to see a little bit of as we go through these one, one aspect of the development of this concept of the Sabbath over time, once, one development of it uh, at a time. Are we close to time? Okay. Um, is that helpful? Is that helpful? Um, I know we've got a long way to go just through the Sabbath, but this is a huge topic. It's a huge thread through the, through the Bible. It affects a lot of doctrines, and, um, and I think it's important we spend time kind of tracing it through the Scriptures. Um, anyway, I'll go ahead and close this in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you again uh, for this time together. Uh, we just pray that uh, you would drive the truth of your word down deep into our hearts and help us to understand uh, better who we are in Christ, who we're called to be, that we would uh, learn to love and respect and honor you in the Sabbath and to appreciate all the gifts and the blessings that you give to us in it and what it means. We love you. We thank you for all things in Christ's name we pray. Amen.